Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Coach, first of all, thank you so much uh, for doing this. And... Uh, let's start with the question how do you feel now first game out of the you know out of the way a comfortable win against one of the teams that everybody thought was going to be a favorite so how do you look at all this firstly thank you for having me sandeep a pleasure to to finally speak with you um and no I, to get the first game out of the way i wouldn't say get out of the way it was an exciting um always is as a first game both for me personally being in the isl for the first time and for the players everybody looks forward to the first game of the season so it was it was nice to to play the first game and for us to play well um, and I wouldn't say it was I don't know if you said it was easy it certainly wasn't the the work rate that the players that we had put into that game to play the way that we wanted to play um, was was very impressed I was very impressed with that so that was a, a very very impressive thing I was I took from the game so from the previous manager uh, that was there at uh, Mumbai City this is a slightly different sort of a style. So, if you could, in your own words, say the kind of football that you enjoy, not necessarily that you want to play all the time, but the kind of football that you enjoy, uh, you would like your team to play, what would that be? Yeah, it won't be too dissimilar. I'll give you a couple of trigger words of possession-based football, attacking football. Um, but the main one for me is that players are very clear on what we want to do as a team, and they're very clear on their roles within the team. And I think if everyone can be on the same page, which can be difficult at times because there's 27 players we have here in a squad. So to get everyone pointing in the same direction and understanding their roles within the team and, and onto the field, that's the, the, the hardest thing for me to, to try and get into the group. But once you have that, players are then able to express themselves. And that's the best bit for me. Once you have that, players can express themselves. And if they express themselves, they can enjoy themselves. And that's the watching from the sideline. I want to be excited. I want to enjoy watching the game. And I want to enjoy my teams um, playing the game game you know you want players running around with smiles on their face because things are going well but also because they're playing well so that's kind of a a, a small nutshell I suppose of, of kind of how I look to approach games. So looking forward to the season uh, after the first game where, where like is there any points that you think uh, you can improve I know generally coaches say we can improve everywhere but is there specifically anything that uh, you want to improve on uh, or certain players and certain moves etc? Yeah it's the same as any First outing, uh, you know, there was, there was parts of the game that I was very happy with, you know, in terms of how we set up defensively, uh, our defensive structure, how we pressed um, and how we played as well, you know, from the back through and, and sometimes over. So that was, I was happy with that. There was um, certainly moments in the game that we're going to have to improve because I thought, I thought we, we got quite fortunate at times to not, not have goals against us. Um, so we need to really switch on at key moments because those key moments uh, in other games may cost us opportunities for points um, and may affect the, the actual performance itself. So in, before the game, uh, I asked the question at the press conference uh, about motivation of a defending champions and uh, you had given me an answer at that time. So I just wanted to dig a little bit deeper because like you said, uh, you're coming into a team that is champion, league champions, ISL final champions. Uh, you've come in 
do you think uh, you coming in now has changed the dynamics do you think they are hungrier uh, do you have i mean you have you mentioned certain higher expectations that you want to go and try and achieve so uh, how does that whole dynamic work for you yeah i wouldn't say i've changed the dynamic i'd like to think i've just continued on a dynamic that was here and we're now trying to take it to a different place you know so last year the club hadn't won anything and sergio and his staff and the players achieved things that this club had never done before so they took it to a, another level um my job now is to be very to involve the players in a new journey a new chapter without chucking everything out because that would be naive and stupid because of how successful the group were last year so for me it's about being I'm trying to understand what the group felt they were successful within last year to take with us this year um but also look at where we want to go and where the players want to go um and we've done those sessions off the field as well as on um and now it's about trying to work towards those targets so champions league is something is that something that's already in the back of your mind because it's all in the back of our minds when you look at mumbai city we are looking thinking oh can they do better than goa did last year because that's something that we constantly keep thinking about so is that something that you that's on back on the back of your mind it, we know it's there you know we're not we won't say it's not there because it is and it will be exciting for us when we get there uh, but the 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 famous saying one game at a time and focusing on the here and now you know it's we know it's there and it is an exciting time for the fans the club for me personally for the players who want to play in that competition but it's important that we approach this season and this league as well as we did against goa for every single game of the next 19 because we want to arrive into the champions league off the back of a successful season So now uh, can we talk a little bit about you now uh, something about your background i know you come from oxford you had almost uh, what is it 19 year career already uh, in yeah it's my 19 yeah 19 yeah. season that's really impressive right so uh, can you give a little bit of background on that uh, yeah i i finished playing when i was 18 um and started coaching uh, so i coached at a local college and started teaching at a college from the age of 19 um that lasted for around 4 years where I was teaching diplomas and degrees uh to 16 to 19 year olds at my local college while also working as an academy coach with my local club which was Oxford United I then spent a 10 year period at Oxford United working through the the whole setup uh from academy through to reserve team through to first team so I spent the last 2 years of that 10 years in the first team environment in the English football league um working under some wonderful people uh, Chris Wilder for a four year period and I was fortunate to work under him in the first team about for two of those years um I moved to New Zealand uh, and took up a role with the Wellington Phoenix in the A league um spent three years there two as an assistant nearly one as the head coach in the A league left the A league went back to the UK uh, spent a year with Stoke City who were in the Premier League at that time with their under 23s or reserve team and then I had the opportunity to return to New Zealand uh, to take up the in, uh, the national team roles so to be head coach for the under 20s the under 23s team so the olympic side uh, and also be the assistant coach to the senior men's national team so that was something I jumped back over and and done for 3 years uh, then moved to melbourne um, had a, a year in melbourne where we won the a league and won the grand final and now I find myself here in, in india uh, leading this fantastic club so an 18 year journey wrapped up in all of a minute there for you <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Wellington actually because uh, you were talking about uh, being going from England to New Zealand how was that as a culture shock how was football in New Zealand uh, perceived like we know about uh, Sapreet Singh because he has an Indian background we sort of like to claim these uh, Indian players from there 
<laughs> as one of our own. So how how is the whole thing uh, in in New Zealand? Yeah, I think the the first thing I was twenty nine when I left the UK, uh, and it was an opportunity that came up where I looked and thought. How often do you get the chance to go and experience a new way of living, a new culture, a new way of working in football that you may never get again in your life? Um, so that was the first thing that really excited me about moving countries. You know, that's another reason behind coming to India. So um, in terms of the football there, it's very much still, it's, it's the fastest growing sport. So there's more players playing football than there are any other sport. However, it is a very rugby dominated uh, landscape. You know, similar to cricket in, in India. You know, so football isn't the number one sport, it's the number two. Um, but what there is in place now is all the structures underneath uh, that weren't maybe there 10 years ago. They've been put in place. And what we're starting to see now in, the, in New Zealand especially is a real development of young players. And, and you've mentioned Southpreet. You know, I give Southpreet his professional debut at Wellington. And I took him to the World Cup, which got him signed for Bayern Munich. So... There's those types of players that are now coming out of New Zealand because of the, the things that have been put in place over the last 10 years. Um, that They're more not just capable now of going to compete against their counterparts on the world stage, but they can now go and show that they can win on those levels. So there'll be a few more that come out of that space over the next few years, I'm sure. I, I was checking your record. You had a great record with the, with the team. You won titles with them. You took them to the World Cups and etc. In fact, uh, is it true that the players wrote to the association to not let you go when you had to leave after before the Olympics? So that, that speaks volumes about the relationship that you managed to strike with the players. So, uh, yeah, I had a, I had a, I had a wonderful... We had 23 games of, overall with the under-20s and the under-23s. And we, did, we had some huge successes that hadn't... Things that hadn't simply been achieved before not just in terms of winning uh, and results on the field, which is what we did have, but more so, um, more so, more so how we changed the way that we played uh, and, and putting on a, a style of football that you know, allowed New Zealand football players to show what they could do, you know, which was possession-based, which was attack-minded football, which was that they were more capable than they either thought or that um, others maybe thought. You know, we certainly knew that they were capable, but we just wanted to give them the platform and the way to play that allowed them to showcase themselves. And that was the, the really exciting thing for me. The results were great and the championships that we won were, were, were good. But for me, it was about leaving that place in a better space. And for me, that was that playing style that hopefully has been left down and will continue on. So how different is it uh, coaching a national team side as opposed to a club side? Because club, you get a day-to-day sort of a thing, but national team, not so much. But you still manage to make them change the way they play? Or is under-23s, under-20s different from... Uh, national team, which you are an assistant in the senior national team as well. Yeah, it, the biggest thing for me is time and communication. So what I did, in an, obviously, in the national team, we only get access to the players physically and one-on-one uh, when we bring them into camps. And that's generally only during FIFA windows. Obviously, at club level, you get day-to-day, so you get a lot more time. But the one thing I, I worked at, was, uh, at the national team level was making sure that when we weren't in camp, the communication with every single player, of which there were 79 over a two-year period, Um, was very clear, was very consistent. So weekly or every two weeks minimum. Um, So they were involved in what we were doing. They were aware of what was coming, how they were going to fit into what we wanted to do. And then the second part to that was getting around and seeing those players in their environments. So there was, of a 365-day lead into the World Cup, I spent two-thirds of the year around the country. So it was only a third of the year I spent in my my own home um, with in, in my bed, it was. I spent thirds of the year getting around, spending time with the players in their clubs, spending time with their coaches, getting a good understanding about them, what they're trying to do, 
So when you go and watch the game, you've got a far greater understanding of what the team's trying to do and what they're trying to do. So that was the, the two things, was time and communication. And about the culture of New Zealand in football as well, you were mentioning. I read somewhere that uh, the first game that you went for, uh, you went from Oxford all the way over there and the crowd suddenly was, what, 450, I think you mentioned. Uh, is that the norm there or has the numbers gone up? Because I've seen full stadium with, uh, with for the rugby. That's the only thing I've seen. Yeah, that's uh, good research. That's, <laughs> that's good research you've done. Yeah, my first, my first uh, game in New Zealand was a, a game where there was 450 people. But that was New Zealand, the way football is structured over there or was structured, it used to be split into a winter and a summer competition. Um, so I haven't, don't think I've got time to take you through the whole parts of that. But you've got, there's only one professional club in New Zealand, which is Wellington Phoenix. You know, when they play at home, which they did twice last year, there was over 20,000 people that turn up to those games. So there's, there is a big um, football support in New Zealand. Um, but for the, for the first game I went to, it was more of a local level game where there was 450, which for that level of football at that time was very good. Okay. And uh, did you work with Roy Krishna? At that time, when you were in Wellington Phoenix? Yes, I did. Uh, I was the assistant for two years and, and then had Roy when I was head coach there for the, the final season that I was there. So I've, I know Roy very well. I know Roy's family. He's a, an excellent player and he's more so an excellent person. He's a great person uh, and has a wonderful family. So it's um, great to see him doing very well in India. There's no surprises that he's done as well as he has here. And uh, let's be careful how I say this. I'm looking forward to seeing him against when we play ATK and uh, making sure that he doesn't play too well against us. So this brings me back to uh, some question I wanted to ask you, which is, uh, you seem very, uh, like, uh, I don't know what, I don't know the word, very precise in what you want from your players in, a, in, in the field. So in that sense, when you have someone like Roy Krishna, and I'm going to take examples from uh, ISL, or you have, a, a, you know, players of that ilk who can score goals, who can cost, uh, like Harvey yesterday, for Odisha, um, do you specifically plan to stop them or is it about the system as a whole and how you stop the team? Yeah, we, I've taken a kind of uh, approach to the teams that I've coached over the last eight, nine years and it's, we can spend a lot of time either focusing on opposition and opposition players or we can spend most of that time focusing on what we want to do and how we want to do it, you know, and we, the only thing we have control of, genuine control of, is what we are going to do. We don't know what opposition they're going to... We can guess and we can watch games and we can try and prepare players. Um, so the sort of rule we put in place is 80% us, 20% opposition. And all that simply means is of the time we spend together on the field, on the presentations, when we talk about what we're going to do, 80% of that time is about how we want to... Do, whether it's in possession or whether it's how we defend, it's about how our structures look in those moments. But at the same time, there's still an important 20% where we need to prepare the players for what we think will come, you know, because we'd be stupid and, again, naive to not recognise the strengths of other teams, whether it's an individual or the, the team themselves. So we do try to prepare, but the only issue with that is we can't guarantee how that opposition are going to, aren't going to play. So if we spend too much time, you know, trying to maybe focus on a Roy Krishna and then he doesn't start the game, there's a lot of time that's been wasted uh, where it could have been spent elsewhere. Uh, also, coach, recently we had an opportunity to get some sort of a expert a coach's take on uh, systems and you know tactics and things. So I just want to get your opinion. It's of my belief that when you talk about uh, the three four threes and the five three twos and you know all the other formations, 
it's a little overrated because you sort of are in and out of the system sometimes the back three becomes a back four or the go over the wingers go forward it, it all sort of changes so do you think uh, as fans we sort of look at this uh, formations and personnel a little too much rather than looking at the team as a whole because overall tactics probably takes uh, more precedence it's my view and i just wanted to know your opinion yeah there's a fantastic book called inverting the pyramids of the past 50 or 60 years and i won't say the evolution of formations because they've always been there but it talks about the trends that do come around you know and certainly the the trends in this league at the moment seem to have too so for me it's not so much around the formation for me the formation is the framework and that's all it is that it's the framework to a structure how you operate within that structure for me depends upon your approach to the game so me as a coach and then also the personnel and the people you have within that structure because if they can't work and can't play within that system yeah, there needs to be some kind of flexibility so for, for me yes it has its place but i, I don't think you can in terms of uh, emotions as well uh, i tend to feel like uh, player emotions are something that uh, we should take into account a lot especially as a coach or as fans also because sometimes they're up sometimes they're down a good run bad run uh, how much of a difference does that make to the team makes a huge one and that's where the time spent um working on we've spent some time here working on identity and who we are you will have those behaviors um because you don't want you know you want people to enjoy the goods but you don't want to you don't want to when things don't go the way you want they can't be the they can't be this up and down especially in bio bubbles like this because it can quickly sway so for me it's about recognizing what we want to do and it's recognizing the types of behaviors that we want to make i think there's a little lag in the uh, audio can i talk to you, ask you about who's the best player that uh, you've played with or coached and uh, played against Um that's a great question. I don't know. I I there's not one that springs to mind and I don't say that because I don't want to give you an answer. I I say that genuinely because every single player that I've worked with has been very different. Um you know what we and they've been extremes, you know, we've had the examples I'll give you of their journeys that are now playing first team football in the football league in the Premier League for international football Republic of Ireland. So there's different types of players in that respect. There's the types of nutritional characters Dylan Foxes, Adrian Lunas that I had at Wellington and Melbourne. Um there's players I had in the Premier League uh when I was with the reserves there, you know, all the way through Peter Crouch and Jack Butland. So there's a, a real extreme different mix of experiences, ages uh, and characters there. So yeah, I wouldn't want to pick one of those. What I would say is the big consistency along the whole thing has been genuinely building relationships with those people to try and get the best. That's been the biggest of age regardless of experience. um and build those relationships to try and get the best out of them. Are you also a pilot licensed pilot? <laughs> yeah, I can't shake that off. I think that's uh, Yeah, I am. Uh I I done my pilot license back in Wellington when I was there. Um it was just something different that there's a a big part to me that is very keen on having balance within life, you know, so I think sometimes you can immerse yourself too much to the detriment of you as a person and your mental health as well. so actually having some balance in your life and maybe switching off from football can be very good for you and also good for the job so i took up uh, an offer uh, to to take a flying lesson and 3 years later and a lot of money and <laughs> a lot of time <laughs> uh, a lot of exams later I, i took my pilot's test and passed that in wellington i think that was 2017 yes so do you constantly fly i mean obviously not now but generally when you are in new zealand and things 
yeah, when I was back in New Zealand, I did. Um, again, to try to get it once a week uh, just to try and keep yourself fresh and relevant because you don't want to start forgetting things uh, too quickly there, especially if you're a couple of thousand feet in the air. You need to have that quite fresh. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how was that feeling? Like we've all obviously flown in flights and things, but to be uh, sort of the master of your own destiny in that situation, how is that feeling? Uh, how, and is there any correlation that you can bring to football with that? Yeah, uh, the biggest one that, that struck me, and, and I was asked this the other day, uh, the other week, and I'll give you the same answer. It's about just being very clear on your process and remaining calm, you know, because as long as you're clear on what you're, what you're doing and you're clear on what you want, and it has the same as in the plane, there's ways of, of taking off, there's ways of flying, there's ways of landing. You know, if you don't follow those, not almost to the T, you can, you can skip certain parts, but there's certain parts you certainly can't skip. Um, and then when things do get bumpy, you know, whether it be turbulence or even results-wise in terms of football. If you can remain calm, but only remain calm because, again, we talk about that consistency of knowing who you are and what we're trying to do and your behaviours. Um, same in the air. If you start to panic when you're up in the air, you, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So it's, yeah, that would be the biggest thing. It's that sticking to process and also understanding of remaining calm. And uh, this association that we have now with City Football Group, Mumbai City, uh, Melbourne, where you were successful on the title, and New York and all these clubs. I think that's a very smart thing for the club to do, to have so many, I mean, for the group to do as such. Uh, so do you have any uh, sort of idea about what the grand plan is? And for you, obviously, I think uh, it's a great opportunity to see what India can do in the Champions League for you. And uh, going forward, I'm not sure what the plans are. But do you have any uh, overriding uh, understanding of what the grand scheme of things are? Yeah, for me, I mean, I can only give you my experiences since I've come into the City Football Group. You know, the... There's a way that we want to play, certainly, on the field, you know, and the support that is wrapped around that is huge. So we get, from a coaching perspective, um, I connect or I have the ability to connect with all the other coaches of the other clubs within the CFG group, you know, and that was where I was fortunate early on last year to connect with Sergio. And Sergio and me have been communicating since December last year, um, not in terms of the job here, but just in terms of coaching and ideas and watching each other's games. And you know, It's something that you don't get access to if you weren't part of that. Um, get hugely supported by the staff back in Manchester as well who do watch our games and, and offer advice. Uh, but it doesn't just extend to me. You know, uh, There's opportunities for me as a coach to move within the group and we've started to see that across the group with coaches, not just myself. But it also extends to the other staff that we have, You know, medical, sports science um, and so on. But there's that ability for those guys to connect with their counterparts and with people there to just try and get the best practice and best ideas that we can then bring into Mumbai and bring into the the club here so for me that's that's the exciting part about being involved here and can you talk about the bubble have you been in a bubble before uh, is it the first experience to this extent in terms of a season yes you know we, we would often find ourselves in a bubble environment when we would travel for international games and uh, tournaments you know we'd be away for five or six weeks in a very similar type of space as we are here but in terms of a time period of five months no this is my first this is my first experience of being in a, a bubble and a bio bubble at that do you think the season is going to be decided by how the teams manage to sort of navigate the situation in the bubble in terms of emotions and uh, all, all the other things, family being away and, you know, personal stuff? So, do you think that will be a major factor in deciding who wins the season? I think it will play, I think it will play an important factor in, in that, yes. And I, I'll, I'll share this with you where my first meeting with the playing group here, um, I asked them, you know, it's 
not about me coming in and starting afresh. Uh, it's about recognize what went well here last year um, because we want to take that with us. And the overwhelming feedback from the players, probably about 70 or 80% of it actually was around the environment, uh, was around the feeling of family, was around the togetherness of the group and how positive that that was last year and how important that was to, to then be able to perform on, on the pitch. So, you know, that's the feedback from the playing group here last year on how important the off-field work or the off-field environment was to the on-field performances that people did see. So, yes, I, I would certainly say that would play an important factor going again this year. So, I'm just going to shoot a few questions randomly because uh, that's what we do here. <laughs> and uh, so I, New Zealand has always been one of those places that is in my bucket list that I always wanted to visit. It looks like an outstanding place. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, Lord of the Rings, I'm a big uh, Tolkien fan. So, Lord of the Rings are shot there. There's a Shire, that thing is there I want to go and visit. So, uh, what is your experience? How is New Zealand as a country when you went there? New Zealand would be a place that I call home and still call home now. Uh, you know, I grew up in the UK for 29 years, spent five and a half years in New Zealand, but that was where that, there's a large part of my heart that is, is still in New Zealand. Uh, I've got lots of good friendships and relationships back there. And, uh, it's yeah for me it's it's home uh, and that was because of the way I was made to feel when I arrived and the way I was treated in my time that I was there and that's just simply down to the Kiwi people excellent people wonderful culture and the country itself when you do get there it's a beautiful country uh, both North and South Island well worth taking some time to go and visit you mentioned culture so I just wanted to check uh, culture, football culture in England is massive and varied within uh, England is not a particularly big country, but within there, there's significant differences in how, say, Liverpool associates with uh, football to a London club, you know. So, from that perspective, how is it, uh, the culture of football different in New Zealand and then here in India? Obviously, I haven't seen the whole uh, fanfare around it and the fans on, you know, on the stadium and how they relate to it. But still, how do you see the notice differences in uh, culture of football? Yeah, I mean, I, I delved quite deep into culture in New Zealand. We we incorporated, you know, the Maori practice, so Maori being the indigenous people of New Zealand, uh, of the land. We, we incorporated large parts of Maori indigenous practice within our football environment, and that really enhanced and helped um, the performances on the field, but also bring the playing group very close together. So that was something that was very special to me and left a big uh, mark and still does leave a big mark with me. So... That was big. In terms of football landscape or football culture, there's a massive football culture in New Zealand. Um, to give you an example, the last time, every time there's New Zealand football, the men's team play at home, whether it be for the Intercontinental World Cup playoffs, they always sell out the stadiums. You know, there, there's 30, 38,000 people, whatever the capacity of the stadium is, they'll sell out. You know, Wellington Phoenix last year, two home games, 25, 26,000 people. So the, there is a massive fan base and there's a massive football culture there. So I see a very similar thing here in, in India where I go back to you know, rugby is still the number one sport in terms of what people associate New Zealand with. When I, I come to India, I still associate cricket as being the number one people, uh, sport that people identify with. However, simply by being here for four and a half weeks, nearly five weeks now, you only have to see how many people do support football uh, and the amount of people that, whether it be fan engagement, that you know, certainly we, we've had here so far, but the, the, the reach and the amount of people that are interested in helping develop and grow this league, yourself included, 
Um, I find there's a lot of similarities for me between New Zealand and India that define those or, or very similar across it themselves. You mentioned Maori. So is the word mana associated with you in any way, shape or form? Yes, it is. Uh, mana was very was a very important word and is a very important word in New Zealand uh, around how you carry yourself and how you represent who you are and what you are and not just you but your family and your in your past um, so yeah that that played a, a big role in some of the work we did do and that was very important to me when I left New Zealand was trying to enhance not just chance but you 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 enhance other people's mana while you're there as well so you obviously delve deep into their culture to mix it with football um, first of all how important is that do you feel Uh, I've been reading a lot of books about the football and culture recently. So, uh, how important do you feel that is to have a successful time or a team or a club? And uh, have you done something similar in India as well? Yeah. So, for me, looking at New Zealand, every country you go to. Again, I'm a guest. I was a guest in in New Zealand, and whenever I go back there, I will always be a guest because I wasn't born there. You know. So, when you go to someone else's country, the first thing I did was try to learn as much as I could about. New Zealand, the culture, um, and not turn up and and try to pretend I know it all and and so on. So try and understand the people, what's gone before you, uh, and what you want to take with you. So the biggest thing that struck me was what I was experiencing in New Zealand from a cultural perspective: the indigenous practices and ways of working. So when you go on to a Marae, which is the Maori land, there's a way that you are welcomed on, and there's a process that you go through. um and by understanding what that process was for me it was tr- it was truly unique to new zealand no other country you couldn't co- i couldn't bring that here and drop that into here because it's not uh, it's not an indian thing. it's new Ze- it's specific to that country but what i found was by enhance bringing it into a sporting context there were so many benefits and wins we could have whilst also tying it back to new zealand so whenever we went to the world cup we were still close to home because the work that we had done represented where we'd come from and the players had, had all done a lot of work on that so that was that was very important in terms of coming into india i'm now at the early stages of doing a very similar thing which is for me is now trying to gain an understanding of what is here what type of culture there is rather than just coming in and saying right we're going to do this <laughs> i need to first understand it and then look at what things are unique to indian football that we may be able to bring in and enhance the football environment so if i could give some unsolicited advice um there are there is a writer called kaushik bandopadhyay i think he is a um, historian he has done some extensive work on uh, indian football and history about uh, the culture of football in uh, bengal in uh, maybe delhi and uh, that side punjab etc i think it could be uh, i mean it will certainly open my eyes but uh, yeah maybe yeah. that could be great i can maybe send that uh, pdf or something to anuj if you yeah. so like that that'd be great because you know don't don't worry and i had this chat with vikram uh vikram our, our winger here you know and when i when i started with the new zealand teams there was a, a bit of a, a feeling maybe amongst the players that they weren't as good as as other players when we went to a world cup whereas like the reality was they were they very much were um but it often took them one or two games to to recognize and understand that they were but by that point maybe the results had gone the other way so in enhancing and bringing in this cultural work give us a real clear identity on who we were as a team and who we were as kiwis representing the country whilst we were away but it, it give a real sense of meaning behind that 
Um, and that, that for me was the most powerful part to that cultural work. So if I can understand, and there's more things like you've just suggested there that may help us in an in Indian, Indian environment, um, that would be great if you could send that over. Absolutely. Because it, India is such a massive country. I come from uh, Kerala, which is at the southern end. So uh, the culture that we grew up is so different from Bangalore, where I am right now, or in Kolkata, in uh, Kashmir, or Goa, everywhere it's sort of different. And uh, it's just fascinating read for me to figure, figure it out. So uh, just a couple more questions here. And uh, you, you coach under under age, I mean age categories and then to the you know senior level. So we always say the biggest that jump from the age category to open level is a big, big chasm. So what would you say is the biggest challenge? And that's something that sort of India struggles a little bit with. So what do you think is the biggest challenge in that? For coaching or for players moving between youth and senior? Uh, from players, from a player's perspective. Yeah, uh, the biggest thing I see is maybe, uh, not maybe, the biggest thing I do see in young players is um, a lack of patience sometimes to gain, gain that the work that may be required for the senior space, you know. And it's that fine line. We, we have a lot of good young players, you know, around the world. Um, but I think sometimes they expect, and I don't know if that's a modern thing in terms of just life. I think very, young players can be very quick to be given things. And, uh, you know, not just in football, but in sport around the world. If high-performance teams, you don't get given anything. You know, you have, to, you have to be patient, you have to work, and then you have to wait for your opportunity to get and show what you can do. And you need the trust of the people that work with you. Um, but once the players understand, I go back to, to what we do, we're trying to do here, once the players understand what we're all trying to do as a team, once they understand how they fit within that team, and once they understand the development plans that we've put in place for them, how they can then get into the team and then and stay in the team, hopefully that patience part will get to, um, and that helps that journey for them. But the biggest thing for me that I've seen from youth to senior would maybe be just a bit of impatience behind, you know, thinking they should be a little bit further than they are and trusting the, trusting the people that, that have spent a lot of time working in that environment to, to bring them in. Okay. This is the final question and we ask this to everybody who comes on the show. Uh, what is the funniest thing that has happened to you on the football field, during a game, whatever it is? Like, what, If you have more than one, that's also fine, but something that sticks in your mind. Funniest thing. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> Other than trying to return, just things. I, I'm, I'm, I stupidly, when balls come near me from the sideline, I've done it at the World Cup and I've done it in the A League. When balls come near me and uh, I try to, to show my skill set that I think I have, and I try and return the ball with a one touch pass or I try and keep it up and pass it back, very often they go wrong. And uh, um, there's probably two or three examples, one from the World Cup and one from the A-League last year where I've, I thought I was better than I actually am and I've tried to do that and the, the ball goes totally the other way and there was one last year where the fourth official actually came over and had a go at me because he thought I was time-wasting <laughs> and I wasn't time-wasting, I, I just had a really poor first touch. <laughs> so those, those types of things uh, is the first thing that springs to mind because they happen quite often and I'm sure they'll happen again this year. You were a goalkeeper, were you? Ah, oh, that's it, yeah. 19 years ago, I used to try. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, just, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it, was, uh, uh, it was great to catch up with you and, uh, you know, talk about all this. And you very open-minded in the way you spoke to us. That's wonderful. And we wish, wish you nothing but the best uh, for the season. 
and the Champions League as well. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Pleasure to speak to you, Sandeep, anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.